What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. are at stake here. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. As you can see, we hit a little bump on the campaign trail. Grocery prices are skyrocketing, and you can't even find baby formula to feed your infant. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Money for Ukraine is stuck in the Senate. The top Democrat running for Senate in Pennsylvania is recovering from a stroke on the eve of the primary. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics. We have a lot to cover. And we'll start this important week with the wisdom of Terry Haynes, founder of Pangea Policy, coming up ahead. Later, we'll zero in on a big day for primary coverage tomorrow, not just Pennsylvania, but about a half dozen states are voting, and we'll talk about it with Bloomberg Elections reporter Greg Giroux. Our panel is intact today. Our signature panel back together with analysis from Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis with us for the hour. Quite a weekend for the world of politics as we try to put things together for you today on Sound On. Welcome. I do hope you had a good weekend. We've got the panel waiting for us here, Rick and Jeannie, and we're going to talk in a moment with Terry Haynes, starting with this situation with Ukraine funding. I feel like I should have the scenes from last week. If you were with us on this episode, when things got bogged down last Thursday, we heard today from Senator Dick Durbin, Democrat from Illinois, the Democratic whip. He told Bloomberg that this money needs to get passed now. Here he is. I, well, listen, I, that it was our intention last week. I don't know if this senator, it's uh, Rand Paul of the state of Kentucky, is going to find new ways to slow us down. But lives are at stake here. We shouldn't waste a minute. Scenes from last week, the senator from Kentucky, Rand Paul, we thought this was going through $40 billion. It seemed to be not only bipartisan, but wildly popular and enjoying momentum until the senator spoke. Here's Rand Paul from last week. If this gift to Ukraine passes, our total aid to Ukraine will almost equal the entire military budget of Russia. And it's not as if we have that money lying around. We will have to borrow that money from China to send it to Ukraine. So is it possible this goes on? For days or weeks or months? Unclear right now as we try to gauge the sort of appetite uh, that all members have, but namely Republicans, that this is going to be a new challenge to inflation here. Maybe we've got an issue. Add concerns over baby formula, COVID funding, the China competes bill, dare I say Roe v. Wade. And there's a lot hanging over Congress right now. That is where we start. With the wisdom of Terry Haynes, who is the founder of Pangea Policy. Terry, it's great to have you. I, I don't always love to use the word snarky because I feel like it has just kind of a, a negative edge to it. Well, I, I think of you as a, as a skeptic, as a someone with a healthy dose of skepticism. Is there a chance that this Ukraine bill doesn't pass? Uh, well, thanks for not putting me in the snark category, Joe. Sure. I will take skeptic, though. The uh, Is there a chance? I mean, I'm... Not really. Uh, you know, I'll always give you 5% for lightning striking uh, mm -hmm. in politics. You have to respect lightning. It happens occasionally. Uh, no, this is, uh, you know, Senator Paul is bringing up 
perfectly valid. I'm not associating myself with his remarks, but I'm just by saying valid. But perfectly valid concerns uh, about uh, signing on to this much funding. Now, he's going to get overridden by uh, the vast majority of the Senate, as you point out. I mean, I wouldn't even consider this a... Uh, Republican gambit, I would consider this a, uh, a Rand Paul gambit. And in the end, uh, he's going to uh, end up, uh, I think, acceding to uh, the vast majority uh, desire to want to bring this money through. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me a bit, having uh, watched him in action for a lot of years, that yeah. what he ends up with is a, uh, is a very strict sort of monitoring clause to make sure that the money's being spent well, uh, not being misspent, and, uh, and, you know, strictly for the purposes, uh, the defense purposes that, uh, the, the, that are being proposed. So, uh, so no, I think a, I'd look an at inspector general and, and we pass the bill? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Sure, uh, but I, I look at this as you know temporary inconvenience, permanent improvement, as they say yeah. about the Pennsylvania Turnpike. So. <laughs> well, you remember last week? I mean, we heard from President Biden, if you believe this, that we were going to run out of money for Ukraine, that the drawdown would be complete by the middle of last week. So we actually have no money to send them weapons right now. Technically, I mean, I'm sure we could send them more stuff, but there was such an urgency under it. I mean, my goodness, Mitch McConnell was just there. What do you think Mitch McConnell told Rand Paul when he got back from Ukraine? Uh, I think he probably told Senator Paul that uh, this money is definitely needed. It's definitely happening. And, uh, and again, my uh, my view of uh, of uh, the Kentucky senators is they have a very uh, good kind of symbiotic relationship. And yeah. uh, and uh, McConnell will uh, work with Paul to figure this out, and uh, and we'll move on. And you know, there was a great deal of urgency about this, and at the same time. Uh, you know, folks are finding uh, all kinds of powers in the in the presidency these days. So uh, one of them, I'm sure, is going to be to you know, bridge fund something somewhere. Yep. There was a time uh, not that long ago, Terry, where the issue here was COVID funding. Democrats wanted to attach that. Uh, even some Republicans, like Mitt Romney, had made a deal ten million or ten billion rather down from the the more than twenty the president had asked for. But it looked like that was going to bog things down, right? They stripped them apart so it would sail through, and then Rand Paul showed up. But what about that COVID funding? It sure doesn't seem like there's a great appetite for more spending on the Republican side here. And the White House is telling us we're already running out of supplies, Terry. Well, I'll tell you two, I have two, two things in response. One is that the White House is going to do, have to do an awful lot of better job of, of talking to people about what they need, how they need it, and when they need it on COVID than they're previously doing because they're not convincing people. Secondly, uh, what is not uh, well understood from the, uh, the famous or infamous uh, $2 trillion that got passed uh, last year early in the Biden administration is that only $1 trillion of that was, in the, was immediately spent. The other trillion uh, gets dribbed and drabbed out for almost the next 10 years. Uh, over a period of time. So one thing that's going on here a little bit under the radar is people saying, look, you want however much money you want, that's yep. fine, but we've given tons of money to folks. And, you know, not only that, but they're going to get tons, the states are going to get tons of money for, you know, the foreseeable future. So, you know, let's figure out how to use as much of the existing funding as possible. That's been a debate, frankly, that's gone on for the last two years. And I think that's what's going yes. on now. But in the end, everybody gets their money. Talking with Terry Haynes on Bloomberg Sound on the Monday edition. I'm ticking down the list here, Terry. The China competes bill also just sort of stuck 
in Congress, despite the fact that, you know, they've got a conference committee here. And but I'm starting to hear and read more of, you know what, this might not happen at all. This is the legislation that includes the fifty two billion dollars for domestic chip manufacturing, the CHIP Act. Maybe this is a crazy idea. Why not strip out the CHIP Act and just put that up for a vote? I mean, that would pass (laughs) yesterday, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, I think it probably would. Uh, at the same time, there are concerns about the, uh, you know, actually uh, having this much kind of uh, federal industrial policy go forward on, on semiconductors. And mm. Congress has been wrangling around with this for a long time. I mean, for something that's a must-pass bill, this, been has, a been, year. this has been going on for a year. Exactly. This <laughs> has been going on for a year now, you know, and... Yeah, so, you know, again, color me skeptical for thinking mm-hmm. that this uh, isn't quite the must-pass that everybody's talking about. But in the end, I think what you will end up with is, uh, you know, everybody is, as you point out, uh, you know, grouped around uh, the need to do this and uh, and really ramp up uh, chip capacity in the long term. Uh, and, you know, I do think that happens. But, uh, the, you know, they've got to strip out all the uh, the ancillary issues that are bought. So this isn't going to look anything like it. it does now when they're done. This is going to be a new bill. Uh, yeah. I, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of these written in conference things. Absolutely. How, and that's okay. how much of how much have you learned about baby food last couple of days, Terry? I was um, I, I'm, yeah, I, I've I, got a teenager I, now, so it's not in my life anymore. But I did notice at the store over the weekend what was happening on the shelves. And of course, there's been a deafening cry. But did you know there was such a bottleneck? There's like there's only I, I didn't realize we had such few options when it came to baby formula. Well, yeah, it's uh, that is a little disturbing. Number one and number two, you know, there's been an awful lot of uh, of uh, fuzz around uh, exactly uh, who was uh, who was stopping things and why. Yes, uh, uh, the White House was calling this a voluntary uh, matter, and at the same time, the FDA was calling it, uh, you know, a non-voluntary matter, and. Let's hear from the White House really quick on that. Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre, her, yeah. first, her first day, I believe, as solo uh, press secretary was asked about this. Here she is. We cannot forget uh, how th- we got here. Abbott closed the facility because of safety concerns from the FDA. The FDA wanted to make sure that we formula was going out in a safe way. How does this end up? Is there a legislative solution, Terry, or does the White House continue what it's doing to try to get suppliers of raw materials with the manufacturers and so forth? The White House continues to do what it's been doing. And, uh, you know, and, and eventually, you know, th- thanks to the action that was taken uh, and announced uh, just a few minutes ago, I, I think things uh, things restart and the crisis eases. But, you know, it, bring, it also brings up a bigger political problem, which the White House gets in the middle of all this stuff. And they've been saying again for a year, oh, well, you know, we take supply chain problems very seriously. We're really going to deal with supply chain problems. And then a major supply chain problem happens uh, mm-hmm. that is caused proximately, at least in part, by government action. And, uh, you know, so they end up owning the crisis politically and, uh, and, and, uh, and causing problems they might not have needed to cause in the first place. So, you know, it's, uh, it's difficult. Ukraine funding gets done this week. Or are you allowing more time, Terry? Um, I'll say, I'll say uh, let's, well, we're Monday, I think, at uh, the end of this yeah. week, sure. Okay. Uh, I think this goes on for a few days, and uh, Senator Paul's concerns get uh, resolved along the lines I indicate, and I think uh, I think they finish up. Great to spend some time with you, as always. Terry Haynes, founder of Pangea Policy, with us. 
To start an important week in politics here on Sound On, we're going to assemble the panel next. Jeannie and Rick are with us for the hour. Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano, and of course we'll check traffic and the markets for you on the way home here. On the fastest hour in politics, I'm Joe Matthew coming to you live from Boston today. The center of the universe. This is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The old to-do list in Congress is starting to look a bit challenging here. And after talking with Terry Haynes, you get a sense that It'll soon be triage time. Thanks for joining us on Bloomberg Sound On as we assemble the panel with Rick and Jeannie, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis as we join you live from the hub of the universe. Yes, we're here in Boston today and tomorrow. And we'll be talking tomorrow uh, with a number of business and political leaders at the annual Chamber Dinner, which I'm really looking forward to. I haven't been there. Gosh, they haven't even held it since COVID. I haven't been there for a lot longer than that Jeannie uh hope you had a great weekend thanks for being here it's great to have Rick back I want to hear what Rick has on his mind after a couple of days this Ukraine funding bill where we left off last week stopped by Rand Paul just days before Mitch McConnell of course his fellow senator from Kentucky but not just any senator uh, showed up to meet in person with President Zelensky how long is this act going to last well, I love the accent, Joe. Boston, best town this time you of year. It, it, I do. Um, you know, Mitch McConnell visiting, obviously, an important statement and took questions from reporters and sort of uh, tried to, uh, you know, sort of dismiss those questions about the fact that it wasn't just Rand Paul, but it was about 57 House Republicans who voted against that bill. And mm-hmm. this question of isolationism, 
creeping into the Republican Party and, of course, not helped by former President Trump, who made statements questioning, you know, why the Republican Party in the United States is spending, you know, 40, 60 billion in Ukraine while people are struggling to to feed their children. So this is something Republicans are going to have to contend with. He did say accurately so, he being McConnell, that isolationism has been a part of the Republican Party for some time. And that is true. So I agree the bill will pass. But I do think we're seeing, you know, sort of an inkling of what's to come with the Republican Party continuing to move in this direction. The line from Rand Paul, Rick, was inflation doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes out of deficit spending. I know everybody wants to help Ukraine, but is this going to come about where where Rand Paul looks like he's on the right side of history here? or, Or will this be forgotten in a couple of days? Yeah, it's highly unlikely that Rand Paul, on most anything he's done in Congress, has been on the right side of history. I mean, he's the he's the uh, one guy you can count on to uh, sort of spoil the party. And and I think one of the things that's surprising to me, uh, and I think the one thing left out of Mitch McConnell's uh, conversation with the press and and, and in the country uh, in Ukraine, has been the urgency. Right? I mean the. The Republicans seem fine to sort of like move this along, but move it along at pace. They don't want to really push hard. Um, obviously, there's a debate within the party and has been for a long time. And Rand Paul represents the lead end of the isolationist wing of the party. But the vast majority of Republicans in the Senate and in the House are internationalists. They more. believe in engagement and they want to win the fight against the Russians. And what so, do you make of that vote in the House then, Rick? What's the story for those 57 Republicans who said no? Yeah, look, I think that, that that more and more this isolationist wing of the party is showing up in the House, right? I mean, look, I mean, you know, probably half of those are conspiracy theorists who probably believe in some crazy concept of what's going on in Russia and are sensitive to some of the the arguments that, that we shouldn't be involved in this. So, uh, and as Mitch McConnell said, and it's true, we've had those kinds of guys before, but in the past, leadership has been able to discipline the caucus mm-hmm. and get them to vote right. And in this case, there's very little confidence in leadership, either in the House or the Senate these days. And so you have much more uh, uh, pushback from Republicans against their own party leadership. And what'll be interesting to see is if and, and when they get into leadership, uh, where uh, yeah, Mitch McConnell may be the majority leader and, and, and McCarthy may be the Speaker of the House, can they contain this kind of rebellion? Because that will determine whether they're successful or not. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, baby formula, Jeannie, the lead story over the weekend, uh, in some cases maybe the second story after Ukraine, uh, this is now a household conversation, and it's not playing well for this White House Does Joe Biden need to throw everything down here and and make this his priority? I know the White House is trying to take action here, but this is yet another supply chain hiccup that's making this White House look unprepared. It it is, and he does need to act. You know, it is another in a long line of sort of uh, remembrances that we have supply chain, we have inflation issues. But the problem for the White House politically is this one is visceral. You know, if, if if your car is delayed getting off the line three months that's you know one thing if you can't get a game for your game system that's one thing but when you can't feed your baby and we have american babies going hungry that is something that gets a lot of coverage and it's something every parent and anybody parent or not parent can understand so this is something they do have to deal with and you know we keep hearing that the white house was late to this and the president denied it last week but you look at some of the sort of parental online chat rooms and 
and there has been chatter about this going back to when Abbott had the voluntary recall in February. So this is a bit of a time coming. They got they were late to it, and they're going to have to throw everything at it. There's not a lot they could do, but certainly the tariffs and the Defense Production Act, mm-hmm. those things that they can do, they absolutely should do, because this is something that really is a problem for them. It's not good timing, Rick. Can the White House turn this into a win, or is this just another brick in the wall? You know, I, I, I got to tell you, I mean, Republicans are sitting back watching this administration sort of disassemble itself. I mean, this was not a supply chain problem caused by COVID or caused by China. This was a problem caused by the FDA that shut down the Abbott plant, which now they've just agreed to reopen. So uh, this administration can't get it out of its own way, and it's being done in by its own cabinet. Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano, back together on Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Boston. We're going to bring in Greg Giroux next as we hit the primary trail. We'll check traffic and markets for you as well. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 1130 to Boston, Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. The headline on the terminal, Pennsylvania Senate, Cawthorn, top primaries to watch Tuesday. That would be tomorrow. Votes being cast in Idaho, Kentucky, North Carolina, Oregon, and yes, Pennsylvania. Whereas you may well have heard the top Democratic contender for Senate is hospitalized with a stroke. We'll have more on that next with Bloomberg Elections reporter Greg Giroux. Imagine watching your own election results from bed. That's the likely reality tomorrow for John Fetterman, the Democratic lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. He's the Democratic candidate for Senate there, the front runner. Posted a video from the hospital with his wife, Giselle, who may have saved his life. Listen to this. Hey, everybody. It's John and Giselle. As you can see, we hit a little bump on the campaign trail. Um, yeah. It was on Friday. Uh, I just wasn't feeling very well. So I decided, you know what, I need to get checked out. So I, I went to the hospital. I need you to get checked out. Yeah. <laughs> Because I was right, as always. Yes, as always. Fetterman 52 had previously canceled weekend campaign appearances without explanation. And as I read uh, on the terminal, said he was able to reach Penn Medicine Lancaster General Hospital within minutes of first having symptoms on Friday. He had a stroke, a mild stroke, but, you know, stroke. He said caused by a clot from his heart being in an AFib rhythm for too long. This is where we start the conversation about a wild primary day that we're looking forward to tomorrow uh, with Greg Giroux. Always a pleasure to spend time with Bloomberg government's elections expert. Uh, Greg, Fetterman's a, a big, tough dude, but a stroke is serious business. Are voters talking about his health in this late stage of the campaign or is he expected to recover? And we'll forget this somewhere down the line. Yeah, I think they're probably talking about it, given um, it's such a it's big news to occur in the waning days of the campaign. But I think, pardon me, Fetterman's, uh, Fetterman's lead in the polls over his Democratic opponents, uh, led by Republican uh, Representative Connor Lamb, was probably substantial enough where he's probably going to win the primary anyway. But you know, it was certainly health issues. It, you know, it really underscores uh, kind of people's mortality. And you know, Fetterman, as you mentioned, is only fifty-two years old. We've had. Um, 
news of a stroke by Maryland Senator uh, Chris Van Allen, who's 63. Um, Earlier this year, um, Ben Ray Lujan, senator from New Mexico, uh, suffered a stroke. He was just in his early 50s. And Mm -hmm. in the 50-50 Senate, the average senator is about 65 years old. So uh, this is, um, uh, you know, certainly serious news. But I think Federer probably still advance the general election. Six foot eight, former college football player. Uh, he's known for wearing gym shorts and hoodies at his campaigns. Like I said, he's clearly a kind of a tough guy, but does that give him an edge here in not looking like, you know, someone who's on the other side of the hill and, and might need to worry about this going into a longer term arrangement, Greg? Yeah, I mean, Federman certainly has this uh, image of uh, being kind of a, you know, it, looking like a non-politician. I've followed him right. for, for years. He ran for the Senate in 2016. And, you know, again, he sort of, uh, you know, kind of had that casual look. And he likes to campaign in, you know, pro-Trump counties, overwhelmingly Republican counties of Pennsylvania. And, you know, I think part of his strategy in the uh, general election is to not only hold the typical Democratic margins in areas like Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and do okay yeah. in the suburbs, but, you know, maybe eat into those typical Republican margins in heavily Republican areas. I'm guessing if I had a stroke, my wife would not call it a bump on the road, but I realize we're on the, we're on the campaign cycle here and life is a little different. Um, Greg, talk to us about uh, the other side of the Senate contest here. The Republican match has been pretty wild, and we've talked about this a bit because it includes a celebrity. You've got Dr. Oz running here, David McCormick, a Wall Street celebrity. But the story of Kathy Barnett has been quite remarkable. This conservative commentator, we saw photos of her today in Washington on January 6th. People have been digging through her record. Uh, she's in, in many ways more Trumpy than McCormick or Oz, both of whom, of course, sought the Trump endorsement. And it's interesting because people in a lot of cases, Greg, don't know a lot about her. Dr. Oz and David McCormick were both asked about Kathy Barnett's history, her personality, her character by CBS News. Listen to their reactions. We may not have that. Um, if we could get that in a moment, that would be fantastic because they're questioning uh, her strength as a candidate here and whether she could win a general election. Greg, is 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 that something that could hold her back? She's packing these rallies that she's holding. Yeah, the question is, is she peaking a little bit too soon? I was in uh, Philadelphia on April the 29th, April the 30th, so just about two and a half weeks ago, and I had my television on, for better or worse, during uh, during some TV shows, and I just saw the inundation of commercials. I did not see anything by Kathy Barnett. It seemed to be Mehmet Oz, who was supported by uh, former President Donald Trump, and uh, Dave McCormick, the former Bridgewater Associate CEO. It was them or their allies uh, kind of pounding on each other. And sometimes when you have races where you have two front runners beating up mm-hmm. on each other, sometimes a third candidate can kind of sneak up there by surprise. And yeah. um, But Barnett did uh, rise in the polls in the last seven or ten days, and they, it, she's gotten the attention of the front runners in that race. So the question is, can they arrest her rise in time to right. hold her off in the primary? Uh, listen to what Oz and McCormick were, were telling CBS News about her over the weekend. You've called Kathy Barnett a mystery person. What do you mean by that? I call Kathy Barnett a mystery because every time she answers a question, she raises a bunch more questions. She's not transparent about so many aspects of her basic biography that we don't know who she is. Would Kathy Barnett be a risky bet for Republicans in November? Well, listen, um, I've gotten to know Kathy on the campaign trail. I respect her her story, uh, but Kathy's been tested. She was tested in the last 24 months in a congressional seat, which she lost by 20 points. 
So you get a sense there uh, of of what they think here, Greg. With regard to voters, are they as clueless as most of the mainstream media? Kathy Barnett, uh, in many cases, wouldn't answer questions on Fox News Sunday yesterday, even about being an adjunct professor. Yeah, she's um, certainly attracted a lot of scrutiny for things she said, and in this case, many things she doesn't say or questions she doesn't answer. And uh, that could come to hurt her in the waning days of the campaign. Um, Just to remains to be seen whether the uh, attacks by Mehmet Oz and Dave McCormick and their super PACs, which have you know, spent millions of dollars on attack ads, question is, will it be enough to kind of a, a stanch her, uh, or at least a, you know, prevent her from rising further in the polls? Um, it looks like it's still a pretty close three-way race, though, between uh, Oz, McCormick, and Barnett. I wish I had time to go through all these states with you, Greg. Uh, just in our remaining 30 seconds, is the madison Cawthorn race in North Carolina the next one you're watching? That's the biggest one I'm watching. He faces uh, several primary challenges led by State Senator Chuck Edwards. But there are also some several House members who have other serious challenges, including um, Kurt Schrader, an Oregon Democrat, and Mike Simpson, a Republican from Idaho. Let's get together Wednesday. Talk it out, Greg. We'll see what you're thinking then. It's primary day tomorrow. This is Bloomberg. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Primary election eve with high drama in some high profile races we're going to be tracking for you tomorrow. None more so than in Pennsylvania, I think we could argue. But early voting starts tomorrow in Texas. And, you know, things are big in Texas. That's where Donald Trump showed up over the weekend to rally for his endorsed candidates there. Get a taste of the former president. The Biden disasters are too numerous to count, but inflation is the highest in nearly 50 years. Gas prices have reached the highest price ever in the history of our country, destroying families. You know, when you have gas prices at this, this is like the biggest tax increase ever proposed or enacted times 
three. That's what it's like. That's how bad the gasoline is affecting families, not to mention your electric costs and everything else. Grocery yeah. prices are skyrocketing. Gotta get the baby and you formula. can't even find baby formula to there feed your is. infant. See? Okay. Now, he could have said that in any state. And that's kind of the point, right? That's the laundry list right now that Democrats have to deal with in every one of these races that we're talking about, or at least will in the general. In some cases, it'll help decide the primaries as well. But we're getting a real sense of this narrative here as we connect the dots nationally. The situation in Pennsylvania, though, is special. We want to assemble the panel, reassemble the panel with Rick and Jeannie to at least start there and try to get through as many of these as we can. Uh, Rick Davis, you've run enough campaigns to, to understand what's going on behind the scenes of the Fetterman camp right now. You're the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. You've run before. You know the game. You get a stroke the weekend before the primary. What does that mean for his chances, if anything? You know, I, I think he's locked in his vote. Uh, Pennsylvania is not a big early voting state, so it's not like he's locked it in by already having a lot of early voters. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, people have a pretty good impression of him. And I'd say his video that he released, as you described it with his wife, uh, basically taking credit for his health, which <laughs> I, I think she ought to be on the ballot, not him. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's probably locked in. You know, Mondays before a Tuesday election are always my favorite day because there's really nothing for the campaign to do. I mean, How about they, that? Yeah. Doesn't have to raise any new money. The you homework can't put on is new done. ads. Homework's done. So it's all about turning out the vote. And and he's had anywhere from a thirty to thirty nine percent advantage in his. So it race. literally doesn't matter if he's in a hospital bed. He doesn't yeah, have to I show up. I think if he can right. turn out his vote that he's identified, he'll be fine. You make of this, Jeannie. If you're the Democrat on the other side, you can't can't make an issue out of his health now. No, you can't. Um, and, and, you know, we all wish him well. And, and it is stunning when you just listen to Greg talk about Chris Van Hollen, you know, Lujan and I now know, Fetterman, yeah. all these young men. And, and with a Senate this tight, it, it's it's absolutely very scary. Um, and, and of course, Greg's piece on the, the race is amazing. The best rundown I've read on, on all yeah, of there's these a lot races. there, actually. It's, it's worth so saying dense. that, Jeannie, and, and yeah. appreciate your saying that you've got all of the states in play here and a lot of races that aren't on people's radars. If you're on the terminal, check it out connor lamb though genie malcolm kenyatta uh opportunity or no you can't do that in politics you can't do that and you know uh, connor lamb has just not been able to make a case he he is somebody who showed a lot of promise a few years ago but fetterman has absolutely won the game on authenticity he has shown um and you were talking about this that he is a fighter that that is what he is going to do for the people of pennsylvania and i think you know on both sides of these races that's what people are looking for and that's why i think in part Kathy Barnett has resonated with with so many Republican primary goers as well. It's this issue of authenticity. It's this mm-hmm. issue of being a fighter. And that's what Fetterman does. And Lamb, you know, especially in the next 24 hours, he can't surmount that. I don't see any way. And for Democrats, you hear a lot of Democrats across the country who say Fetterman is really showing other Democrats how they can do this in these purple hmm. states. So, yeah. you know, I, I think he is a very promising candidate, uh, you know, hopefully a healthy candidate as well. So goatee, shorts, hoodie. Is that it, Jeannie? That's the recipe. <laughs> that is it. We want to right. see you in that, Joe Matthew, yes. out in the campaign trail Tomorrow night. these races. <laughs> Tomorrow night, chamber dinner. Hey, Rick, uh, we haven't really had a lot of time to talk with you about Kathy Barnett. Uh, wouldn't let reporters into the rallies over the weekend, being questioned openly uh, by her challengers, not able to answer every question on Fox uh, News Sunday yesterday. 
is she going to go down as a spoiler here? Uh, she could be a spoiler. She could also uh, be the winner. And, uh, uh, you know, her her trajectory uh, has been so fast and so furious that yeah. the public hasn't really had to catch up with her. She is a place where you park your vote because you've gotten a dislike both Mehmet Oz and David McCormick, because they told you to dislike each other, right? They, <laughs> they beat each other up so bad for the last six months that, that voters are like, okay, I don't like either one of those guys, so I'm just going to no. park my vote on her. And so it's not like people are jumping on her bandwagon because they think she's so great. They think these other guys are so bad wow. that they just want to have someone who they can be for. And the story is compelling. She might not be able to deliver the goods, but sure. it's kind of baked into the equation by now, right? People are going to show up. Uh, Republicans are election day voters in Pennsylvania, and uh, and 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 so we're not going to know. There's not a lot of. Early it will voting, not be difficult, though, Rick, for Democrats to frame her as extreme. I mean, if you're if you're as a mainstream Republican, do you oh, see that election? as a successful yeah. general candidate? Yeah, no, it's a disaster. Um, okay, you know she's not going to have the financial resources to redefine herself. Uh, they are. Uh, her candidates against her, uh, McCormick and Oz, are unloading enormous amount of uh, advertising this weekend against mm-hmm. her. So she's going to run up her negatives. Um, question is, can they do it fast enough? And and look, this is part of the problem with having these kind of contested primaries where both their strategies, McCormick and Oz, were to go out hard and heavy early with all their own TV, you know, a lot of big money, uh, just beating each other up and not really selling themselves to the Pennsylvania public. And and neither one of them were well-known other than their reputations. They didn't earn any kind of votes yet. And and so it's the danger of running a negative campaign. And, you know, they both thought they could take each other out and the winner would be the nominee. And here comes Kathy Barnett. So, yeah. sure. $137,000, Rick. That, that's the ad buy so far for yeah. the, the Barnett campaign. So, so money doesn't necessarily speak when it comes to politics there are a lot of billionaires who didn't get elected <laughs> well uh how true uh madison cawthorn genie we haven't really had a chance to get into him outside of scandal but he's got a primary as well could he be a one-term congressman Oh, he absolutely could. I mean, the amount of scandal that he has brought on himself. Um, and, you know, that's why you get, you know, more mainstream and established Republicans endorsing his opponents. And, of course, the biggest thing that Cawthorne did was switching districts and then switching back. I mean, you know, that is a, a, you know, an unforced error, if you will, but not to mention driving, you know, being caught driving without a license, you know, getting yeah. guns confiscated, not to mention the videos, the pictures. Oh I won't. I won't yeah. go into that on a, a nice show, video. a nice show like this, Joe Matthew. <laughs> but you, yeah, but you know, so so Clawthorne is one of these candidates that you know he gets a lot of name recognition. He can raise money. He says outrageous things, not unlike to a certain extent Kathy Barnett. You know, a lot of people comparing Kathy Barnett and you know you could say this about Madison Clawthorne potentially as like the Christine O'Donnell of their day. You know, electability <laughs> matters not maybe as much in a primary, but in a general election and you know i fear that one of the lessons republicans took away from trump's win is it doesn't matter but it mm-hmm. does and this is what republicans have to fear as they wake up on wednesday morning with candidates that potentially can't win in november and democrats yeah. you know celebrating that in this year where they should be doing very badly may have a, a shot because of these candidates rick what's the quiet talk amongst republicans about madison cawthorn uh, is he going to have a bad day tomorrow? I mean, this has just been one after it's every day. There's another video. There's another story. Some of these videos he's made himself himself that have been self-indicting. 
Yeah, it's, a, it's really embarrassing to most of the GOP uh, leaders on Capitol Hill that I've talked to. And and, and look, I mean, there's a 30% threshold uh, that you got to get over to avoid a runoff. And everybody I've talked to is holding their breath that he gets to 29, mm-hmm. um, and, and it, which would be a pretty low bar for an incumbent. But he has distinguished himself uh, in the category of, of sheer embarrassment. And, uh, and Does so, the leadership want him out? I mean, he's the one saying that Republicans have been inviting him to orgies and all this madness yeah, well, for I don't months think now. Leadership He's not making his colleagues look great. Yeah, I don't think leadership's the one really sponsoring those orgies. I, I, mean, I would think not. Yeah, they want responsible people who they can uh, show up in public with. And and so, yeah, I mean, I think I think this is, this is something that they're hoped for. Uh, you know, there's a state senator, Chuck Edwards, who... Uh, Senator Tillis has been backing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's more the establishment Republican figure in the state of North Carolina, and certainly purports to be that. You know, in the United States Senate, so there are options, and I think that um, maybe too young and and maybe too green in the political process. But um, if he gets to over thirty, uh, he 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 could wind up uh, making it through. So. Uh, I think this was one to watch. It's um, it's not one of these that are going to be compared to Donald Trump versus yeah, mainstream right. Republicans. This is just a guy who is really bombed, and and can he actually get reelected? <laughs> Again, this is the 11th district, North Carolina. He has seven primary opponents. If you're curious about the future of political career, Mattis Cawthorn, that's where that is. Uh, he mentioned Trump, Jeannie. Uh, this could be a difficult night for him tomorrow, no? It really could be. And, you know, just briefly on Cawthorn, let's look at how difficult it is as an incumbent to lose in the House. I mean, the reelection rate is astonishing. It's, hmm. you know, historically about nine out of 10 incumbents reelected. So to lose is pretty tough to do if he does that. But on your point about Trump, of course, this is a big night for Trump. He may suffer some losses. And if he suffers the loss of Oz, that's going to be a big one for him. The loss of Oz. And thanks to Jeannie for reminding us this is a family program. I felt pretty good about that. We'll meet back here tomorrow and do it again. For Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano, I'm Joe Matthew in Boston. And the fastest hour in politics. We'll do it again tomorrow. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.